0: It's great so we don't have to wake up with shoulder pain. On top of that, it's been really fun for me to see him have so much success because it's been selling like crazy. Anyways, if you're a side sleeper, I highly recommend going to pillowcube.com and getting one
1: for yourself. Because she knew he was capable of so much more. She's like, yeah, just help him focus. And sometimes we had her join in on the calls. And I'll tell you, that got interesting because they'd be in a car and and we're doing a call and I'm like, "Put put it on speakerphone. And then I, with his permission, I'd say to her, you tell me what you think he needs to work on and we get her input. So that was really great. And one great story I have about Bradley is he came to me one day and he said, I've got a great opportunity. There's a company that's going for a million dollars. I think it's worth a lot more.
0: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as i can the whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate thanks for listening and i hope you enjoyed today's show today on the show we've got david wood david thanks for doing this
1: hey glad to meet you i enjoyed our, our little pre-interview chat and looking forward to see what we're going to come up with
0: sure so tell us where you're at today and tell us what you do
1: I am uh, in Valle de Bravo right now. I've taken my first vacation in about a year and a half and uh, it's about 2.30 here. And normally I wouldn't drink a beer this early, but I figured, hey, I'm in Mexico. So I cracked a beer. I'm overlooking a lake right now. I would show you on camera, but every time I try and do it, it just looks like, a you know, the camera can't resolve. It looks like whiteout. But I'm grateful to be somewhere warm instead of Colorado and be quarantining with some dear friends we isolated for 10 days we got covid tested we've come here and so we can hang out without masks for a while
0: that's great well i know you've got uh, an interesting background originally you know consulting fortune 100 fortune 1000 companies then kind of did entrepreneurship on your own terms living in bali and all sorts of other things tell us tell us about what you're doing right now at at
1: focus.ceo what I do, I, I found personally, I love working with entrepreneurs. So it's it's I, I did a bunch of executive coaching last year, and it was it was fun to be working with some some VPs at say Warner Brothers and like that. But it's there's something special about working with an entrepreneur, someone or, or a CEO who is the boss and has all the decisions to make, and it's so overwhelming. And I found that client after client was trying to do so much, trying to handle too many target markets it's trying to handle too many problem sets for that target market, trying to provide too many services and products, and trying to manage too many traffic sources. I'm getting stressed just talking about it with you. And so what I realized is that most of us could really use some help with focusing, working out what's important and working out what's not important, at least for 12 months. And I firmly believe it's possible to achieve to achieve twice as much of what matters in high the time that we're spending right now so that's usually where i start with business owners let's let's get you focused. let's get you doubling your revenue then let's double your time off as well and then i get to the really good stuff for me which is how are you showing off as a human a partner and a parent how's your courage how's your truth telling so that's a, a long answer for what i do right now sure Well,
0: let's let's dig into some of these nuggets. Tell us tell us some of the the first principles that you work with CEOs on.
1: Right. Well, firstly, we've got to know where we're heading, right? Now for years, for many, many years, I didn't do a lot of planning. And I think that's fine. I don't criticize anyone who doesn't do a lot of planning. You want to just get up, check your email, check your voice messages, and then comes five or six o'clock and you finish the day feeling really busy. I think that's a fine way to go. But if what you want is better results and you want better results faster, I think we need to first work out where are we heading? Do you, I, I'd love to take a poll of your listeners right now and, and find out how many of them could name, for, name the top three goals that they want to achieve in the next 12 months. I'd say, let's start with that and then have a list of things that you agree with yourself not to put attention on. This is harder. I will not put attention on LinkedIn traffic. I will not put attention on alliances. Because I'm going to focus, say, on podcast marketing or Facebook advertising or whatever. I will not do these things. I will do these things. Now, you can still keep that other wish list in your drawer and say, if I achieve any of these goals, I can pull something out of the drawer. But we want to start with that. And the next principle is to layer the goals because a year out is meaningless. How do we link our goals from a year out to what we do in the next 30 minutes? So, the simple answer is let's just layer our goals. Let's do the three-month version. Again, this is what I will choose to care about. And this is what I will agree not to care about, not to do and not put attention on, which is so hard for me. And then we'll layer it again. The next seven days, what are my goals for the next seven days and what will I not do? Again, you stick those in a drawer. That's fine. And then the last layer is tomorrow. I know what my seven-day goals are. What will I do when I wake up? And a great question that really focuses the mind If I was only allowed to do two things tomorrow for my business, that was all I was allowed to do. What would I choose? What would really move the needle? And then I recommend starting with those before you check email, before you call anybody, before you check your voice messages, have your phone on airplane mode. Don't let your computer ping you when you get an email and do those two things. Goof off after that. I don't care. You'll have done probably more than you've done maybe in the last seven days if you really focus like this. So those are, I think I, I squeezed two principles in there. I,
0: I really like those. I think about, you know, it seems like about 100% of entrepreneurs have some sort of skill at sales, whether they think about themselves as salespeople or not, that there's something in there where they can get into the mind of others and figure out how to have this person come to a conclusion, oh yeah, these, these folks can help me, Right. But one of the other things that I don't know if it's 100%, but in my estimation, it's a pretty high number of us is it does seem like you, a little ADD is pretty much required <laughs> to become a, to become an entrepreneur. And uh, there's actually a really famous Harvard PhD who says that it shouldn't be called a disorder. ADD should just be called entrepreneur brain. And uh, you think about like for so many people, they, they search, you know, it's s- some kid wants to start a YouTube channel. And they're endlessly searching, like what they're looking for advice, what should I make videos about, right? Where many of us entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, if I could just narrow it down from the 150 things I'd like to get done,
1: right? Yeah, so you're right. I think it's a strength, but there's also a dark side to it. And the dark side is when we respond to a text message or an email, we get a little hit of dopamine, right? And then we, we get addicted to that. So we want to feel productive, may not be doing anything for our revenue or for our business or for our life and also it creates adrenaline when I'm ju- and I jump around I jump around a lot I you know sometimes I'll be checking this and then someone will want my attention over here and then I'm like oh I got an idea let me do this and then I'm on tech support chat but right? I'm chatting with tech support and then I might even might even have my phone calling AT&T and I'm on hold it feels productive it also feels stressful And I got to an interview yesterday, got got set up here. I got my computer set up on a barbecue, right, right, right out here. And I was stressed because I tried to cram in all these little things. And even before this interview with you, Lars, I was like, oh, I could use some water. I was going to be drinking water on this podcast. And I thought, if I do that, I'm probably going to get here with 10 seconds to spare. And I'm just going to feel that little increase in adrenaline and stress. And so I grabbed the beer that I'd half drunk and I'm like, I'm drinking beer this podcast. I'm not going to cram in that extra thing. So I think we've just got to watch out. It can be a strength. But when we think we're being productive, we're really just elevating adrenaline and feeling productive. But it doesn't mean that we're increasing revenue and time off, which I think are two really important key indicators.
0: You know, I'm, I'm such a nerd for books like The 80-20 Principle of Richard Koch or Smart Cuts by Shane Snow, One Thing, Gary Keller. Yes. It's like, this is a, this is a, the reason um, I wanted to have you on the show is this is a lesson I need to hear in multiple forms to try and corral myself. You know, Dan Sullivan's yeah. book, who not how Perry Marshall, 80, 20 sales and marketing. Like it really goes on for me of like, I just need, I just need that reminder over and over. And you know, there's a, I, I don't know if it's an Aesop fable or where it comes from, but Tim Ferriss told the story about a a donkey. It's some ancient parable who works a hard day work, comes back and can't decide if he wants water first or the hay first and sits there looking back and forth, back and forth till he passes out and, and dies because he didn't get either. Yeah. And I can think about that of like, you know, it is, it is a consistent, let's say note for opportunity that I get from the people closest to me, my wife, my business partners, my friends. i like, Oh, Jess, why don't you, why don't you focus on one to begin
1: with? You know, it, it, uh, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I think the need for it is growing, Lars, because my guess, look, I, I obviously wasn't alive 200 years ago, but I imagine life was simpler. Oh, I'm going to chop down a tree today. You go out, you spend the day chopping down a tree, you stop for lunch. That's a good, solid day. It's not like that anymore. There's so much, even without leaving your desk, there's so much information and opportunity for entertainment. So I think as life gets more and more complex in this information age, we we almost really you could use it in schools to teach us how to focus on one thing. Say, all right, you've got all these five things and do some tests that there the person who picks one wins and the person who doesn't loses. So we can just learn the value. I was trying to pick a place to live a couple of years ago. I traveled the world for two years, went to Colombia, went to Mexico, went to Canada. And I, it was hard to choose because I, I can live anywhere in the world. I have location freedom. And I had trouble choosing and I was worried I was going to choose the wrong one. I'm like, no, I just, I just can't do it. And then finally a voice in my head said, it doesn't matter if it's the wrong choice, it'll be better than no choice. And that was true for me. I needed to know where my socks were. So I chose Colorado. I chose Boulder, Colorado. Now it turns out I've been very happy there. If I wasn't, I still think it would have been the right thing because six months later, I would then know a lot more and I could move on to something else. Now, Clay Collins, if you followed Clay Collins at all, he came up with something called the five ones. Not familiar. Okay. I I really like this for entrepreneurs. He says there's a pyramid and then the top layer is your target market. And as I said, in the beginning, we've got five different target markets we want to serve. He said, just pick one. If others come to you and want to work with you, you might still say yes, but pick one to put all your attention on. And then the next one is, and and I'm paraphrasing, right? I've, I've modified it for my own purposes, but problem, pick one big problem they have that you love to solve. I know you want to help them with five and you can, once they're paying you, you can help them with all the others, but pick one problem and, and your mind will fight you. If it's anything like mine, it'll fight you all the way. We're like, no, but I got to, I can do two, I can do three. The next one is, I think, pick one solution. You might have five different services or products, but pick one you're going to put all your attention on. And then the next one is one traffic source. Now, look, it's fine if you want to test four different ones for, say, a month. That's fine. But then pick the most promising one and go really deep with that. And then the last one, it's not intuitive. Can you guess what the last one is? It's not intuitive. Last one is one year. Mm. Just give yourself one year to do this. And then look, if if something's really wrong, okay, maybe you pivot, but I love that. Now, I still struggle with it myself. I'm an entrepreneur. I see all the possibilities. We all do. But I've agreed with myself not to pursue alliances right now. And I know they'd be so profitable and I'm really good at it. But that's one agreement I made with myself to take that off my plate. I tested Facebook traffic for two months. It wasn't working. I could try further. And keep tweaking it and if it works i'll make a lot of money but it's also diluting my attention i love doing podcasts like this one i like talking and and serving so thank god in a way the facebook traffic didn't work so now i can go deep and i know i, I imagine you're a big fan of innovation would that be true yeah i don't know yeah. how i guess that i i just divined it from the universe but because i've gone so deep into podcasting and and being a guest expert on podcasts i was talking to one podcast host and he said look i told him i'm into relationship marketing so after i've done a podcast i want to know who that host knows and he said yeah you could go and search for my name on itunes and see what shows i've been on which is what i've been doing for 2 years or you could look through all of my episodes and see which podcast hosts have been on my show. I could definitely introduce you to them. Then my brain got churning, my brain got churning. And I was like, that's a lot of work for my VA because I'm not going to do it, but for my VA to get 300 names from 300 episodes and Google 300 names and see if they have a podcast is... So then I started thinking if I had the data, if I had a copy of the Apple podcast database, we could do a match we could we could create a list of every host that has a relevant podcast and then do a search against every episode on a given podcast title and description and throw out the matches and then that that'll tell us which hosts have been on the show so i've been working for the last month on this that innovation couldn't come if i'm spread between five different traffic sources so i'm a big fan of clay collins i've never met the guy and, the, and this principle of the five ones. And listeners, you just go and test yourself against these five ones. See how many target markets you have, how many traffic sources, whatever. It'll give you a sense of how scattered you are or how focused you are.
0: No, I, f- I feel like there's a bunch of things there. And by the way, let's uh, give a shout out to your show. Everybody should check out your podcast, Tough Conversations, Thriving Teams, Great Leaders. Looks like you had Thank some you. great people on, Jack Canfield and
1: a bunch of top CEOs and yeah, uh, prison Byron,
0: inmates. I bet that was interesting. And also got a Byron
1: of- Katie appearance on there. Yeah. I've been blessed, as I as I think you have, with some really extraordinary people being on the show.
0: You know, it, it's funny what you just brought up. And I think about this one of my many friends coaching me on the like, you know, hey Jess, you're you're drowning in good opportunities. <laughs> like, you know, pick one, right? And my, my really good friend, Josh Steinley, who has a couple of great podcasts, one on hope and one on becoming a published author and write, runs a group called the Published Author. I think it's publishedauthor.com. But he, he got me to read this book called, dang it, I can't remember what it's called, but the author's name is Gay Hicks. But, Gay Hendrix? Uh, yeah, and it's it's got a fish on the front. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: The fish bowl. Oh, dude, I do. Leap, In fact, leap. I modeled the Great cover. Leap. I modeled the cover of my book. Get paid for who you are. After that, I got a fish jumping out. Okay, on, on my What's that well? book?
0: The Leap or something? Dang it! What is this? Yeah, book? the Leap. Yeah, it might be the Leap. That sounds right. It's that's close. I gotta I gotta Google it now. So, uh, anyways, that was the first time that I realized that the big leap. Gay Hendricks. Everybody should go get that book. So that was the first time I realized like by quitting things that are not like the one thing I was born for in life, I don't have to admit that. I, I don't have to claim. I don't have to say that I'm bad at them to quit them. I, can't, I think I felt like throwing in the towel on them was, was like admitting defeat, right? And Josh did me this huge favor of getting me to read that book and just pushing me on the like, no, like there's probably a bunch of things you're above average at. That doesn't mean you should be doing them. Like where oh. like what were you born to do? Like, and, and, and then, you know, kind of back to Dan Sullivan and the who not how stuff, like, and go hire other people for those other things that you're not good at. Right. Like yesterday for our our investment fund, we buy big commercial real estate buildings stuff. We, and we take on interns, you know, try to give people a, a start in the business. Right. And this finance major MBA kid who we were onboarding yesterday, we were explaining to him how we want him to go through Phoenix, Arizona. And we have this methodology for how to find who the top brokers are that we want to start looking to do deals with down there. And I'm explaining to him how we want to list all stuff. And, and he says, well, you know, I do know how to do programming within Excel and have it search for me. Could I, would it be okay if I just wrote a program to build all that data for us all at once? I was like, yeah, yeah, that would be okay. You can you can go ahead and do that, right? Yeah. Anyways, it made me think a little bit about your Podcast, you know, let the machine do the work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just realized something. I've been calling you Lars for this whole whole interview. I when I looked at your name, Jess Larson, Lars stuck in my head and I'm like, oh, his name's Lars. And now I realize that's really probably not a lot of people call you that. So I just want to name that correction.
0: <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of a reminds me of high school sports, calling me Lars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you think about I think about my anxiety, and I think it's a little related to when you're trying to pick somewhere to move, is I'm such an efficiency nerd, you know, and I want, and I always want the best of everything. It's like, it's a curse sometimes where like, I want the best or nothing at all, you know, and it drives my wife nuts. But when it comes to that opportunity, you're like, man, all three of these seem like really great things. And I don't want to make a mistake. I want to do the thing that's maximum benefit for my family here. And, and there's not one of them that feels obvious. Do you have any tips for navigating that that position? You mean,
1: you mean like the perfection problem
0: when you're no, trying I mean, to get like, everything just right? I mean business opportunities. You're trying to pick what to focus on next, and you've got two, three, four opportunities that all seem like they could be oh. as good as each other, and they they like they're all worth you know maybe tens of millions of dollars each if you win at any one of them, and oh, you're yeah. going like okay, but I've done this too many times. I know I can't ride four bicycles at once. That's not going to work. But it feels so scary to like throw three bicycles in the trash and just pick one, you know, any any thoughts of like, but what if I pick the wrong one? Anxiety.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I've done with clients is had them do a grid and because I'm an efficiency nerd too. And I used to be an actuary and I'll be like, look, score it on four or five criteria and you can make them up. And if you want, I can give you some, which one's likely to make the most money, which ones likely to be the most fun, which one has the lowest barrier of entry? Because like being a being a, a brain surgeon, right? That's one of my options. That's a pretty high barrier to entry. It's going to be a long time. Seth Godin has a great book called The Dip. There's a pretty big dip to becoming a, a, a surgeon. Whereas as we were talking about in the pre-interview, becoming a coach, someone might do a two-week course and they hang out a shingle and they call themselves a coach you know, and which one, which one might you do, even if you never got paid? Is there one of those that you would do anyway? Even if, even if you knew it would fail, you would do it anyway. That's often a winner. So I think the grid is a good way you score it. And then just, you know, one might pop out. Now, also, I think I'm always coaching my clients to see if there's a way to mitigate the risk and this might come from my actuarial side or people who study the Enneagram say it's because I'm a six, whatever that is, but I'm scanning for threats, always looking for risk. So as an example, I am i want to write a book. We just, we just started writing a book called Name That Mouse because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. And I said, hang on, it's a big investment to do a book. It's a lot of work. It might not work. People might not sell it. So we came up with this idea. We'll do a Kickstarter. Campaign for the book, and we'll put it out there. I'll send it out to my email list. I might do a couple of podcasts and see if people really love the concept. We've made a little trailer, it's a five page PDF. And if they share it and they donate to the Kickstarter campaign, and we raise 1500 bucks, I'll consider that a sign from the universe that the world wants this book and we'll expand it into a full book. And if not, we'll leave it at that. So look for a way that you can do a trial balloon, do a test. You might even do a deal with yourself once i was doing a project that wasn't making any money and I, I i just i can't remember what the project was but i loved it and i was in this conflict in my head the financial manager in my head is saying this isn't making any money you've got to stop it and the rest of me is going yeah but it's a really good idea for the world and if i stick at it and it does pay off it'll be a great success story like walt disney or jack canfield or something and so I sat down and I actually got a piece of paper and I wrote out the conversation between these two parts of me and we did a deal. And the deal was, I've got three months to produce this minimum result. And it gave me a game to play. All right, got to hit this result. I had this many subscribers to this service at this, this amount of money. And if I do, that's a sign we keep going. If we don't, we bail and go to something else. And the beauty of that was I was now at peace. I didn't have to wonder if I was doing the right thing. I had a deal with myself.
0: I really like that. I like how concrete that is. I actually think it's fun to have a challenge and a game to play. That's, that's helpful for me, at least. I don't know if anybody else is getting anything from this conversation, but I am. So, and, (laughs) and how long ago did you, how long ago did you write your book, uh, Get Paid for Who You Are? How long ago did that come out?
1: I think it was about eight years ago. Okay. And and that, Uh, that was an example of me going full on two years. Like I didn't do a trial balloon. I was just like, everyone said to me, how, David how can you travel the world how can and this was this was just before the 4 hour work week came out people were like how can you work from anywhere choose your own hours and travel the world and like what i don't get it and i've been doing that since 98 and uh, then tim ferriss's book came out and i was so annoyed i was really jealous i'm like damn it That's the book I wanted to write. So I decided to to write the book, but I put two years into it. Jack Canfield was kind enough to write the forward to the book. I had over a million email addresses lined up for the launch, everything done. I put $150,000 into the book. Look, I I ended up making my money back eventually. It took a couple of years, but it wasn't really a success. Yeah, I made a, a bit of a name for myself, but. Had I known what I know now, I would have done some testing and seen if people wanted some, a really brilliant man who puts together billion dollar deals. He kept shaking his head every time I told him about the book. He's like, why don't you do a $99 course? Sell that. That'll make money. The book's not going to make you anything. And he, he was right. But I was like, ego, I have to have a book. I, if I'm hanging out with John, John Gray and Jack Canfield and Marianne Williamson and whatever, which I was privileged to do, I got to have a book. So, but it wasn't really about the money. When you say John Gray, is that Blackstone John Gray? John John Gray from, from Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. Oh, the author. It, he and Jack Canfield formed a, an alliance called the Transformational Leadership Council as a place where thought leaders could get together and recharge and support each other. And through some good management and a lot of luck, I I managed to get get nominated to the council.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, that from Mars book, it was great for my marriage. (laughs) I loved having that to refer back to. I'm like, "Why why don't you get, why I don't want to talk about this right now? yeah so, uh, right <laughs> well can you tell us a story about one of your one of your clients that was able to you were able to help them double their revenue i mean leave out yeah personal details or whatever you need to but
1: yeah sure well i had permission from some of my clients to mention some of the stories so okay oh, amy youngblood is an interior designer you, if you go to amyyoungbloodinteriors.com you need some design work for your house go and check it out and when she came to me, she was doing pretty well in the business, but she was frustrated by a lot of things. One of the, one of the things was some of the conversations she was having weren't working like with, well, I, I don't want to get too personal about, you know, the different parties involved, but some people in her business, some people in, in, in her family. And we, she doubled revenue in 12 months. And that's my goal. Normally, if someone wants to double revenue in a month, I'm like, all right, let's, let's talk more about that. But, but we managed to double revenue in 12 months. But I think the real bonus for her was the growth that happened. It was the standing up for herself. It was the making requests for the desires that she had. It was talking about the things that she was tolerating and saying, hey, is there a way that we could change that? And I, I think I, I intimated when we started this that I will help people with money, but my real passion is how you're showing up in the world. And how's your emotional freedom? Then there's Bradley Long. And I love I love talking about Bradley because he came to me, he was successful. And and I think coaching, I don't know how coaching got a bad rap in some circles. Like some people thought it's like therapy. Like you go to a coach if, if you're if you're terrible know if you're failing. Yeah, maybe you do. That's not a bad idea, but that's not who I work with. Bradley was already successful. He just said, I have trouble working out what to focus on. I have shiny object syndrome. I want to do this and this and this and this. And I'm just, it's just not easy to work it out. Can you help me? And so we started working together and his wife was thrilled because she knew he was capable of so much more. She's like, yeah, just help him focus. And sometimes we had her join in on the calls. And I'll tell you, that got interesting because they'd be in a car and and we're doing a call. I'm like, put it it on speakerphone. And then I, with his permission, I'd say to her, you tell me what you think he needs to work on. And we get her input. So that was really great. And one great story I have about Bradley is he came to me one day and he said, I've got a great opportunity. There's a company that's going for a million dollars. I think it's worth a lot more. I think I should buy it. What do you think? I said, let me get this straight. With all your free time and given you're so bored and you've nailed everything that you're trying to achieve and you've become number one in your target market you're figuring you'll take that surplus and go and invest in something else. And he said, all right, what's next? Because I was being facetious, right? He was—he had a lot of challenges in his company, as we all do. And he's like, I'm going to take on another one. So he didn't do it. And he he ended up halving his work hours and he started hitting record sales months. Month after what, what month industry? after month, started cracking $100,000 for the first time. Pardon? What, what industry is he in? Bradley? What industry? He is yeah, on, online marketing. So he creates templates for uh, people who use Shopify stores. So he's got a, shop, a site called shoptimized.net and he was selling templates. Yeah, okay. and, and again, I want to make the point, he was doing well. My favorite clients, they're already successful. If someone's struggling and they're not making money, I usually say, I'm not the I'm sorry, I'm just not the one to help you. There are probably other people who specialize in that. I want people who are already doing well in a number of areas in life and they know they can do better. that's that's just more fun for me.
0: Well, I like these two stories. let Let's dive a little deeper for just a minute. Uh, in case there's any interior designers listening to the show what's okay. what's one tip? For that industry that you think you know, you learned working with Amy that might apply to others in that space.
1: Well, yeah. Well, this is, this tip will apply to that industry and also every industry. We looked at her messaging, and it wasn't clear when you came to her website what the benefit would be. And so we workshoped it. And I'm a big fan of what I call caveman messaging. A caveman should be able to grunt your benefit and one message we came up with i'm not sure if it's the one she's currently using on her site it was you deserve a home that you're proud of boom that's it now you can have sub messages but the one you want to drive home over and over and over again you deserve a home you're proud of then when the pandemic hit i said to her because i'm not an interior designer right but i'm a born marketer i can't help myself i'm like you know what seems that in the pandemic I gotta spend a lot more time at home. Doesn't seem fair that I should be in a home that doesn't reflect me, the home that doesn't feel good to me and safe to me. I deserve it because I'm home 24-7 now. And so she's like, Oh, okay, she <laughs> got to work. So I think that's one example hitting up her messaging. Also, she wasn't doing very, very well with lead capture. I went to her site, I didn't feel compelled to give her my email email address. I love a site. When I show up and I'm like, fine, I'm putting in my email address. Okay, now you're doing well with lead capture. So there there are a couple of small, well, I say small things. They're they're actually not small at all. They're huge for the bottom line. Those are a couple of things that we handled. That's
0: great. You know, you think about, we all know entrepreneurs, when you ask them what they do, and they, they start this meandering sentences that kind of end up in, it's complicated, you know? Those people are not easy to buy from, right? Right. Right. And you, you, have like lost people's interest before you ever get to the punchline. You know, I love your the caveman should be able to the caveman should be able to grunt. Yep. The, the benefit statement. Okay, let's let's switch over to Bradley. So somebody who is in this this online space, online shopping space, what's what's one piece of advice for that
1: industry? Well, I don't. Again, I don't think it's industry specific. I can remember what some of the things we did with Bradley. Some of the things we did were it will apply to any industry. It was like, work out what you're going to do tomorrow. Work it out. Write down what's what's most important and then write down what you won't do tomorrow. And what would happen is he would fall off the horse. And what I mean by that is he'd, we'd get to our next coaching session. He's like, yeah, it didn't work. I'm like, well, what happened? He said, well, the kids were coming in a lot. And I just kind of lost track of what I said I was going to do. I'm like, okay. So let's workshop it. What are you going to do about that? Now, of course, I've got a lot of ideas, but it's more powerful when the client comes up with it themselves. And he's like, "Well, I really need a place I can go to out of the house. I need to go somewhere else I can get to." Now he just moved his whole his his five kids to Costa Rica. And he had to work out a little place in the local village where he could have a heater and, and have an air conditioner and, and do work. So he set that up. Then the next week he comes back. He said, it was better. It was better. It was a lot better, but I fell off the horse. So I go, what did you do? Well, I found myself, I, I checked email in the morning and there was some important stuff I had to do. I'm like, okay, great. We found another thing that doesn't work. So how about you do the two most important things before you check email? And he's like, ah, but but what if there's something urgent that I got to deal with overseas? I said, okay, how about you have someone else manage your email and they will ping you on WhatsApp if something's critical. He's like, ah, that I could do. So we do it. So it often takes my, it, it sounds simple, some of the things we've talked about, but we've got a lifetime of habit working against us. So it often takes my client's, a few weeks or even months to make these things into habit so that they can actually say, this is what's most important. And then do that. It sounds so easy. It's not, it's simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. You know,
0: I think about what you've just said. And I think about both the, both the strategy that I get when I'm asking for some advice and, 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 you know, some advisory that I've done for very successful entrepreneurs worth, you know, hundred million bucks or $250 million (laughs) personally, and incredibly intelligent, capable people, but suffering from the same problem I have, which is, you know, I'm often terrible at being objective about my own problems, but I can be perfectly objective about somebody else's. Any thoughts on
1: that? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. It's just really hard. We're swimming in our own thoughts and our own beliefs. So it's, it's often not until I talk to my coach or a trusted colleague Trusted colleagues are great because they're free, but you can't really get them to 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 just listen to you nonstop once a week. You know, it's going to wear out normally. But it's not until I often talk it out, either they'll mention something that I hadn't seen, or I will come up with something brilliant just in the space that's being held. So I think object. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of objectivity. I've been a coach since '98, and I think it was only 4 months ago I had 5 coaches at one time. I had a coach for dating, I had a coach uh, an energy healer who cuz I don't know anything about energy, I'm like show me what's going on. I had a, an accountability coach to just keep me on track with the things I said I was going to do. So I'm a I'm a big fan. I know you and I were talking before this interview about how do you how do you trust a coach when everyone's calling themselves a coach these days? So that that definitely I think is an obstacle for some people. How do you know if the coach is any good? But I'm a I'm a fan of getting input, whether it's a mastermind or a coach or or, or even a therapist. Sometimes, depending on your issue, I'm a massive fan of therapy. Talk out your stuff and get some get, get some different perspectives.
0: Interesting. Well, I know we're kind of winding down here. I I've been lucky enough to have quite a number of clients in the special operations community, intelligence agencies, and a number of them have come over and been volunteers for our charity. And I've got to spend a lot of time with those folks. And it it really increased my intrigue with the concept of courage. Because, you know, for so many of these guys, it's not hypothetical. It's not like, you know, it's not like a Sunday school answer version of courage or, you know, a school version of courage. It's like, you know, they're, their buddies literally die on those missions. They're, you know, they're risking not coming home to their family. Like, it's it's not a, a theoretical conversation i'm really interested though of of what your where your study of courage has taken you and and kind of what some of the most important parts of courage are in your perspective
1: yeah thank you i think my i think my attraction to courage came from having a lack of it as a child so in school i got bullied I I think a lot of kids did. And I just never really stood up to a bully and just punched him on the nose and took a beating. And I regret that. I regret that to this day. I've regretted the women I haven't asked out. I haven't regretted the women. I've regretted not asking the women out. And I usually feel small and I don't like myself as much when I let fear run me. So somewhere along the line, I must've decided to lean into my fears. So I'm afraid of heights. And yet, I've stepped off a mountain in Nepal with a piece of cloth strapped to my back and gone up to 10,000 feet under a storm cloud solo. I'm afraid of abandonment. Cause I lost, I lost my little sister when I was very young and I was, you know, scared of being left. And I was like, I want to lean into this. So I date a woman who's dating someone else. I date an open relationship and see, can I conquer this fear? That one I didn't fully conquer to be honest. And I'm still a little afraid of heights, but I think, you know, I'm not saying you should go and jump off a mountain, but one of the reasons we go to Tony Robbins and we walk over coals is the metaphor. If we can conquer that fear and go and walk over those coals, and you're really not going to get very burned. Your feet are going to be fine or you get a few blisters. It's very unlikely you get hurt, but it's the psychological trigger. Can you take a cold shower when there's snow on the ground, right? Can you do that? I think it's worthwhile because, When it comes to business, I want you to be able to go and approach someone like Richard Branson or Jack Canfield to write the foreword to your book. I want you to be able to ask a celebrity for an endorsement or ask an incredibly high-profile guest to come on your show. I want you to do those things. I personally don't care if they say yes or no. They might all say no, but I want you to have that feeling of knowing that you gave it everything. And it's the same in your relationships. Do you have the courage? Are you willing to risk your entire relationship to tell the truth? Hey, I made a mistake. I broke an agreement and I'm really worried that you're going to be angry with me. I'm worried you might leave me. And yet I want us to be totally free in our relationship to be honest with each other. And so I'm, I'm going to take that risk. That's what I have to say about courage.
0: Mm, I like that. You know, I think I'm a big Ryan Holiday fan. Do you know this book, The Obstacle is the Way or any of his books? Stillness is the key. Ego is the enemy. Any of those ring a bell for you? Doesn't matter. They're great. You should check them out. No, I haven't heard that one. His book, Obstacles, The Way is probably right. the, the one that I listened to the most. And it's, he's really taken a lot of stoic philosophy from 2,500 years ago and then applied it to much more modern stories of people who are overcoming way tougher things than I'm up against. So I find it really inspirational whenever I feel sorry for myself, right? But but he quotes these Stoic philosophers who say that courage is the first virtue because It's the virtue that precedes any of the other ones, having, having patience, having humility, having honor, having integrity, like courage is the prerequisite to exercising any of the other ones. I thought it was an interesting observation. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: That's interesting. I see, and I, as you were saying that, I just realized, well, I, I, I don't know if it comes first. I just think it's so important. Like who wants to be lying on their deathbed saying, I cowered in fear all of my life. Nobody aspires to that. I want, I want us all when that time comes to say, yeah, I was scared. I was trembling and I did it anyway. So there are limits. I'm not saying that you should go and step off a cliff in Nepal. I'm not saying that you should do anything that's way past your edge because we don't wanna traumatize ourselves. I'm saying you need to work out where your edge is and lean into it, that's all. Just be 30% more courageous. And if it's really gonna traumatize you, don't do it, right? Like you get to choose how far you wanna push yourself, just 30% more courage. Maybe before my last question, can you share with
0: people the best place if they want to check out your work or your courses or connect with you?
1: Yeah, sure. I have a link if, if you're an entrepreneur, you're already up and running, you're doing well with a great product or service, and you think that you can do better, go and see if you're a fit for my eight-week samurai program. If you're not, I will tell you super politely. If you are, we'll have a really good time. I've also got to check a, a gift basket of goodies for listeners There's a checklist on how to double revenue in the shortest amount of time possible and a free training. And you can do all three of those things at myfocusgift.com. I wanted to give you a gift to help you focus. So it's called myfocusgift.com. I
0: love it. That's great. Well, maybe for the last one, what do you think is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given?
1: The worst thing that can happen to you is a thought. Mm, Explain that. Well, I used to think that the thing that caused us suffering were circumstances. I don't have enough money or I broke my leg or whatever. I no longer believe that. Now I believe the only thing that can cause suffering is whatever I'm believing. So when I'm unhappy, hurt, suffering in some way, I try and identify what I'm believing. What is that thought that is causing me the suffering? And then I use the work of Byron Katie to investigate that thought because the worst thing that can happen to you is a thought.
0: That's great. Well, listen, I've already gone to your link here and I've already downloaded the checklist. So I hope everyone does too. And, and thanks for doing the interview here.
1: My pleasure. And I'm glad to meet you, Jess, formerly known as Lars. This was a lot of fun.
0: Great. Bye everyone.